I think we've probably known you for 25 years or now, Phil. A little less than 30, I know, because I got saved 30 years ago, and I met you shortly after that. So, But anyway, we're glad you're here, and uh, hope the best for you while you're here. <coughs> we're, uh, we're studying Jeremiah, and uh, last week we kind of introduced that little phrase, at times of the Gentiles, it happened uh, right after Babylon destroyed uh, Jerusalem and tore down the temple and burned it, and... Uh, and uh, I think two weeks ago we talked about Egypt. So th- these last, uh, there's I think there's close to eight different eight different Gentile nations mentioned. One was Egypt, and then uh, there was the Philistines. We talked about that, and then uh, t- today we're talking about the Moabites. And I couldn't quite get it all on the handout, so I've got a little. Uh, addendum and if we have time I'll I'll give you this at the end I don't want to overwhelm you or make our time confusing and work you too hard because it's kind of hard to keep up with everything but uh, just to give you kind of a running start I've got uh, on the overhead here uh, this was on Wikipedia so it but I thought it was just a pretty good uh, the red is the Philistines the uh, what we know today is the Gaza Strip is right along the Mediterranean there, and then Judah with Jerusalem, and we've probably all heard of Jericho, and this Jaffa is now the city of Tel Aviv uh, up here along the coast, and uh, you've heard of Edom, and I thought it was interesting. This, this map shows Petra is just south of Moab. Uh, Petra is known as Place of the Rock, uh, not not to be confused with Dome of the Rock, which is in Jerusalem. But uh, <clears throat> some believe that Petra is the place where the Jews are going to flee during the tribulation period, and God will protect them there and feed them there for three and a half years. And uh, but it just says here at the bottom. This this supposedly is how the land laid out. Uh, a theoretical map of the region around 830 years before Christ, and Moab is shown in purple between the Arnon and Zered rivers. And I think I think that Arnon is maybe in this chapter, but uh, and then there, there's mention of a, a town called Heshbon, and I don't know if. If it's on this map or not, but uh, anyway, Heshbon is more uh, in Ammon, and I think this is next week. The Ammonites is chapter forty-nine. So, uh, so if you're just joining us, and a couple of you are, maybe um, there's fifty-two. I think there's 52 chapters. Is it 51 or 52 in Jeremiah? 52. So uh, we're in chapter 48. So we're about four, five weeks from being done. And uh, we've, we've been trying to take a chapter a week. But anyway, we're talking about the Moabites today. And uh, what, what I thought was cool about this, in the first two verses, in fact... Um, Emmett, have you got chapter 48? Could you read the first two verses? It mentions a, a mountain there. Go ahead. Against Moab, I say of the Lord opposed the God of Israel. One was to Is that it? There's another word that. Oh. I looked up that madman. I think that's actually a place. It, 
That's kind of a weird name for a place, isn't it? Mad Men. <laughs> is it really? Yeah, I looked it up. Wow. I think it's a place. It's kind of a show too, wasn't it? Mad, Mad Men or something? Anyway. Uh, so the word I was... There's two words in here I was looking for. And uh, Emmett read both. He says, Woe unto Nebo. And uh, you've probably heard of Nebo. <clears throat> uh, it's... It's not on the, but it's kind of across from Jericho, kind of a, toward the top. This is the Dead Sea, and uh, I was really surprised. I think most of you know I was there, you know, a couple of years ago, and uh, this is the Sea of Galilee, and I think it's like nine miles by sixteen miles, so you can't probably quite see it but you can notice this is like the Dead Sea is huge I mean we, we drove along it for miles and one of the comments that uh, <clears throat> I think we were coming from Jericho Jericho is still a town there today but it's on the other side of this wall it's on the Arab controlled side so the Muslims control Jericho and it's it's it was one thing, but we went there for a specific reason. Uh, I won't say too much, just kind of on the video. But uh, we have friends there. We'll say it that way. And uh, so that God's doing a work there uh, through some friends of ours. And uh, but as we were driving from there, uh, we actually got to swim in the in the uh, Dead Sea. Uh, if you call it swimming, you, you you float. You can't sink. So that that part I liked. And but boy, you didn't want to get it in your eyes or anything. But uh, so yeah, there's. Uh, and it's funny. You'll think this is funny. I thought it was funny too. Oh, what is her name? Mariah Carey, the famous singer. Big billboards of her there. She's that's where she gets her makeup and perfume or something from. So there's a whole bunch of stuff. It was real commercialized. There was like resorts like Branson. It was just like right here in the middle of this desert of Israel. Mariah Carey and wow. and resorts and uh, just open dining and it was just real commercialized right there. And we drove along several spots like that. So I mean, there's like I would say at least 50 big motels and high rises and stuff but anyway uh, what I was going to say referring to our our class this morning is as we were driving from Jericho uh, our tour guide said you know if, if you look across the Dead Sea there's, there is some pretty good sized mountains on this other side uh, I think it's modern day Jordan and um, they said, you know, probably Moses saw the promised land from right there. And it, it just gave me chills. I mean, we're driving. I'm like, those mountains right there, that's where Moses was? And it was just like, wow. You know, this is... And uh, it was another thing that... I mean, he just mentions these little blurbs as he's driving and telling us these stories. He said, you know, if you look on the other side... We, we passed a little place that they believe was uh, En Gedi where David was hiding out from Saul on the other side of our bus. It's just like, whoa! You know, we're... You know, because En Gedi, there's a, there's a well up in there. There's a place of water. and Anyway, uh, those, that's just some history. And I wanted to at least present to you uh, so you can have something in your mind's eye about uh, where these events happened and the peoples that we're talking about. <clears throat> now, does anybody know off uh, the top of their head uh, when Moab was started? Shoot, I don't have my Facebook. Sorry about that, uh, Carol and Dottie. I didn't have my... Hopefully you could hear me. Uh, where, where did the the nation of Moab start? Do you think? Uh, it, it's on the handout. Daughters of Lot. Yeah, yeah. It actually happened with uh, Lot had an incestuous relationship with his two daughters, 
and I believe it's the older one. Her, they, she named her son uh, Moab. And uh, that's on my other handout. But anyway, your first blank there is just the word Nebo. This. Uh, <coughs> And uh, let's all turn to the Deuteronomy verse. We don't necessarily need to go to the number, but let's look at the Deuteronomy 34. If you want to hold your place in Jeremiah and go to Deuteronomy uh, 34, this is a reference to the death of Moses. And uh, here's a little trivia for you that that helped me kind of understand my Bible. Uh, what do you think how many people sings in a duet it's two isn't it and so when you see Deuteronomy I want you to think two and then the otomy and you you won't know this but like the word astronomy astronomy means uh, astro means star and the onomy means law It's, it's like law of the stars so when you see Deuteronomy, it's the second giving of the law. So the people that came out of Egypt, if you remember, they, they got the law, but they refused to go into the promised land, and that generation died off. And so uh, this new generation that was getting ready to enter the promised land under Joshua, they get the second giving of the law. They get the law again. And so not only are the Ten Commandments found in Exodus 20, they're also found the same ones in Deuteronomy 5 because God gave them the law again. <clears throat> but Pat, would, would you read that Deuteronomy 34, verses 5 and 6? Okay. It says, So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, over against Beth Peor. But no man knoweth of his sepulcher unto this day. Yeah, so he he died in the land of Moab. And uh, I think it was up more over in here. Uh, I, think, I think Moab was, you know, further north even than that map shows. But anyway, the Bible uh, says... Uh, it's, it's back in the book of Jude that God actually buried him. But here the Pat read, it says, you know, no man knows where he was buried to this day. So there's kind of some mystery surrounding his burial place. And so it's, it's really a, a cool story. But uh, so now back to Jeremiah 48, if you will. So a lot of famous... A lot of famous things, a lot of Bible stories around this nation of Moab. And uh, in these verses 2 through 6 of 48, there's several cities mentioned. But one thing I thought was interesting that Emmett read in verse 1, that uh, this Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, is is talking. And in verse 2, do you see in the middle of verse 2, it says, and let us cut it off from being a nation. And so, as I read that, let us, I, I mean, I guess historically it's referring to uh, the Babylonians that destroy them. But when I see that, I think maybe that's like the Trinity. Like God is saying, hey, Jesus, hey, Holy Spirit, let us cut off this nation from being a nation anymore. And so that that's what I had you put in your second blank is just the word nation. Uh, so they're they're going to be no longer a nation. This is the end of them. Just kind of like last chapter was the end of the Philistines as a nation. There's a few uh, remnant to survive, and they're there today. And I suppose there there's a remnant of um, the Moabites as well. But as far as being a nation, and uh, my teaching point there, I just gave you a verse from Psalms. And you, you might have seen this even in reference to the United States before, but it just says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. And so biblically that's a reference to the nation of Israel. And uh, you know the, the Bible says that uh, to bless, that God will bless them that bless 
Abraham and his descendants and he'll curse them that curse Abraham and his descendants and so a little bit later in this same chapter I think the Moabites uh, get a curse they get cursed because they don't support uh, Israel now this next section verses 7 through 10 it talks about their works in verse 7 can somebody read verse 7 Pam Anderson are you there I'm there for because thou hast trusted in thy works and in thy treasures, thou shalt also be taken. And Chemosh shall go forth into captivity with his priests and his princes together. Thank you. So, uh because they trusted in their works and I thought I might just you know they worked and built this pagan god named Chemosh and uh, I wanted to talk about works for just a minute Uh, be be turning to Romans chapter 4 and this is probably one of my favorite verses to go to to talk about works versus grace and uh, most of you know that you know just growing up uh, I, I believe this I believe that if my good works could outweigh my bad you know I would be allowed entrance into heaven and but it was just kind of never knowing you know how much good things is good enough and how many bad things is bad enough and it's really kind of it's a miserable thing to be kind of on the fence so to speak but uh, in Romans I'm going to have us look at two places 4 and verse 5 this is one that a friend of mine showed me Uh, Belinda do you have 4 verse 5 but to him that worketh not that believeth on him that, that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I meant for you to read four and five. Read those again so we can all see them again. Sorry. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. <clears throat> okay. And then uh, I'll have you read the next one also. Let's go to chapter 11. But before I comment on that, let's look at 11. Because 11, 6 is the other place. And this, these two together kind of help me understand these things a little better. And if grace then is it no more works, Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then is it no more grace? Otherwise, work is no more work. <clears throat> and th- this is the thing that somebody showed me once. Whoop. Here's what they said. They said 99% grace is 100% works. Think about that for just a minute. Let that sink in. Because, and here's an illustration. Let's say I was out of town right now in Atlanta at the discipleship conference. And I call Phil Kramer. I say, Phil, I'm going to be flying back in town on Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. Can you pick me up? And Phil says, yeah, I'm in town. I'll I'll come pick you up at 7 o'clock Tuesday night, Steve, KCI. And then I I think, well, man, if Phil's still got that old van, I don't know if he's going to make it. I'm going to call Dave. Dave, I'm flying back in town on Tuesday night. Can you come up to KCI and pick me up? And Dave said, yeah, yeah. But gosh, I know Dave's been a little bit under the weather. I don't know if he—I don't feel actually be there. I'm going to call Emmett and Pam. They're—they're they're dependable folks. And you see, what I did was I did not fully trust that Phil was going to pick me up. And I think some people think of—and—and and I have a, a a person in our family that thinks like this that. 
yeah, I believe in, in Jesus Christ, but I also, I'm going to cover my bases. I'm, I'm going to make sure I get baptized too. And I better give some money. Oh, and I better not cuss. And I better be the right political group. Uh, he just tries to cover his bases and he maybe, maybe, without judging his heart, maybe he doesn't fully trust Jesus Christ to save him. And, and that that's why I come up with this. It's like, yeah, I believe in grace, man. Faith alone, Christ alone, uh, plus baptism. Plus, you know, helping Habitat. There was a lady this week gave $467 million to Habitat for Humanity. It was like the biggest gift, charity gift ever maybe. But, you know, it's for humanitarian efforts to help homelessness in California. That was the that was what she was given to. And it's not a bad thing, but, you know, that's not going to save her, is it? And, uh... Anyway, th- this little thing, uh, hopefully, does that click? Or what, what are your thoughts as we talk about these things of work versus grace? You forgot church membership. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Church membership in there, too. <laughs> yeah. That. But if you, <clears throat> if you truly believe, none of those works matter. Right. You, that was hard for me to get to. Because if you write, you pray, and you do what you yeah. do, you read your Bible. It doesn't matter if you go worship with other people or if you... Give. It, it yeah. Because God, you know, you're saved. See, well, now that I am saved, I do good works because I'm saved, but not in order to get saved. That right. that's the the twist. That but wait just a minute. Uh, Belinda had something. I have trouble having faith. That, you know, that they can be saved simply by grace if you were raised to pull yourself up by your instruments. Yeah. Something then you do it yourself. That that's me. That was me. So, and it's hard for them to trust in grace and to let it go and trust that Jesus will cover it. Well, see, that everything I was trusting in failed. That they never had grace in their life, so they can't trust it. Right. Yeah. It's hard to get past that, too. Well, I was put in circumstance. I worked for a nonprofit, and in 2009, the president come to us, three of us, that's all that was left for the company. The president of your company? And asked us to work for free. And I said, you know, I really can't. I'm the sole, I'm the sole breadwinner. But, you know, God paid for our checks. Wow. For five or six years, because I deposited donations for $6,000, $7,000, like every other month into the account. Wow. So I know that was for her huh. to keep that place open. That's and a good testimony. And now we're, uh, I've been there 13 years. And now we're applying for a federal, become a federal clinic. Huh. And it doesn't, it, just looking at it, don't think, I, you know, we're not going to do it, but hmm. I know it's going to happen. Because hmm. God, there's a reason why mercy and truth is still there. That was some faith there, wasn't it, Suzanne? I, yeah. I don't know what I do if my, my <laughs> boss said, can you work for free till uh-huh. things change or something? Uh-huh. But he did, he provided. That's sweet. That's sweet. Uh, Pat, I know you're going to share something. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, it, it, that's, that is sometimes hard thing to click because that's the way, you know, we naturally think works, works. But it's it's trust, like you said, trusting in grace. Uh-huh. And it's his grace which gives us the power to do the works which he told us to do. I mean, yeah. It's got to be according to his word and... You know, it's got to be His grace that mm. that has us. It's like Ephesians two eight and nine for mm-hmm. His workmanship. So, you know, if we're, if we're doing it in His strength and His grace, then it's His works. Yeah, yeah, that's He's right. Working in us. <clears throat> that's good. Yeah, Pam. I'm reminded that when we come to salvation, we are trusting a hundred percent in the grace later is when we start Mm. you know in our flesh trying to figure out that's where we begin to drop off and we want to add some works into it Mm. but so we you know people say well I can't trust you 100% well if you're saved you mm. can because you have, mm. and so we have to keep bringing ourselves back to that. You, you, that's a that's that's a true statement. We have to keep coming back. Yeah, 
I hear you say, if we're a hundred percent confident in His grace, we're a hundred percent covered. Hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah. So it's by grace we're saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then uh, I like to tie Colossians 2 6 with that. It says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. So just like you've received him by grace, now you need to walk in that grace. And uh, anyway, that that sounds a little bit radical, but uh, it's true. And so these these uh, Moabites were trusting in the works of their hand, which was this false god, Chemosh. And I gave you a couple verses here. I was looking for them this morning. I couldn't find it, but I see them now. So let's all turn to 1 Kings 11. I thought this was kind of interesting. 1 Kings 11. Because Solomon actually builds a high place for Chemosh. And I thought, wow. I guess I knew that, but... Uh, So 1 Kings 11, and uh, we'll read verse 7. Uh, Philip, are you able to pull that up? Then did Solomon build an high place for Christos, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. Yes, so Solomon built a high place and uh, one other thing I was reading said that it was some kind of sanctuary, so maybe maybe a building for this Chemosh uh, on the hill that's before Jerusalem and I wonder if that is the Mount of Olives maybe. So with that in mind, turn to the second Kings. Yeah. Yeah, he was angry for sure. And so Second Kings gives the rest of that story twenty three, Second Kings twenty three. And uh Tony, do you want to read this morning, brother? Second Kings twenty three, can you find that? In verse thirteen. It's a long one. Yeah. And the high places that were before Jerusalem, which were on the right hand of the Mount of Corruption, which Solomon, the king of Israel, had built it, were Eshtoreth, the abomination of Zidonian, and for Chemosh, the abomination of the Moabites, and for Milcom, the abomination of the children of Ammon, did the king defile. Uh, read, read one more verse, too. And he break into pieces the images and cut down the crows and filled their places with the bones of men. Yeah, so this is a story of uh, Josiah, and he tore down the very high, pl- this high place. He tore down this uh, this high place that Solomon built. So, I, so uh, Solomon, uh, in his effort to fulfill every desire of his heart, he built some bad things. And uh, good King Josiah, he came along, you know, uh, a couple hundred years later and tore them down and tried to reestablish, you know, the worship of of Jehovah God. So, anyway, I thought those were just some interesting things about their uh, pagan God. And uh, in verses 8 through 10, now back in Jeremiah 48, uh, God did bring a curse in verses 8 through 10 of chapter 48 upon them 
I'll just read verse 10. Cursed be he that doeth the work of the Lord deceitfully, and cursed be he that keepeth back his sword from the blood. So uh, <clears throat> that, that was a little bit of a uh, curse upon the Babylonians. It's like, you guys are doing my work. We need you to come down here to Moab and destroy them completely and use your sword to, uh, to slay the Moabites. And uh, what I gave you on your teaching point right there, I don't know how much we want to read, but uh, my teaching point here is that the true God formed man and he breathed into him life. And man became a living soul there in Genesis 2-7. But man rebelled and he formed false gods in whom is no breath or life. And so I, I thought that was kind of a good maybe summary that God formed man with with uh, his work. God formed man and, and made him alive. But when man tries to create or form gods, they are not alive, are they? And I, I gave us several references here. And the Psalm 115 is kind of my favorite. It just says that, you know, they have mouths, but they don't speak. You know... They're, they're the work of men's hands, and in, in whom is no life. And does anybody know what the second commandment is? The first is, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And the second is... Lift thy God with all the heart, with all the soul. Well, you're thinking Jesus, but in the Ten Commandments, the second is, Thou shalt have no graven images. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if you know this, but uh, I looked it up. Uh, somebody, I don't know how it got to our workplace, but there was a Lutheran catechism book at my workplace. And so I just kind of thumbed through it. And do you know that they omit the second commandment not to have any graven images? And so does the Catholic catechism. Instead, they have ten commandments, but they make two commandments out of number 10 the 10th commandment is thou shalt not covet so that's actually their ninth commandment and their 10th commandment is thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife so they kind of make two commandments out of the 10th but they leave out the second commandment as you might imagine because they do have graven images they do pray to false idols and I, I heard it this week that the Pope made a declaration to pray to Mary for this, uh, the people in Ukraine, and there he's telling the, his followers to pray to the Queen of Heaven. Uh, anyway, and so I'm not. Uh, I'm just saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. God say it. Say it loud. <laughs> Did you correct the book? <laughs> I did not. I pointed it out to some other people, though. I did. So, yeah, their catechism goes, you know, from don't have any other gods before me to the, the their second commandment is, uh, you know, not to take the Lord's name in vain. And that that's the third commandment in the Bible. So, anyway, uh, there's just some things about uh, false gods and and I even underlined on your handout some places in Jeremiah where the people were worshiping false gods. So, anyway, let's let's jump down to Roman numeral three. And can somebody? Uh, we're up to see Pam. Do you? Or, yeah, Pam Jackson. Can you read verses eleven through thirteen? Moab hath been at ease from his youth, and he has settled on his knees and hath not been emptied from vessel to vessel, neither hath he gone into captivity. Therefore his taste remained in him, and his scent is not changed. Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will send unto him wanderers, that shall cause him to wander, and shall empty his vessels and break their bottles. And Moab shall be ashamed of Chemosh, as the house of Israel was ashamed of Bethel, their confidence. Now, uh, Pam read, I really, to read that is a little bit confusing, but this empty from vessel to vessel, 
um, they said that somehow doing that kind of purifies the wine or something. It's what I was reading it. You know, you, it might leave some of the dregs in the bottom, so you pour it out of this bottle and then that bottle, let it settle and pour it. And uh, I kind of have a note in my Bible. Somebody referenced that to being like discipleship. You're you're pouring out of your vessel, and hopefully, it, you're you want your disciple to do more and better things than you've done. And it's like that with our children. But uh, it says Moab didn't do that. They've kind of settled on their lees. Uh, at, at ease <clears throat> so they're just kind of lazy or whatever and uh, and then it says in verse 13 that Moab's going to be ashamed of their false god and so on your sec- on the back of your handout there your, your blank at the top my teaching point here was just uh, abiding in Christ prevents from being ashamed at his coming you know uh, and Angie, we could probably quote this. And now, little children, abide in Him, when he that when He shall appear, we shall be. Let's see. What is it? Uh, and not be ashamed. Like it. Born like his coming. And not be ashamed before Him at His coming. Yeah. The word ashamed in so, as I read that they're ashamed of their God. We don't. We don't want to. None of us want to be ashamed, do we? I mean that that that's one thing we talk about in addiction, and it just there's a certain amount of shame that comes with that. The man, I mean, but you have to get to the point to where you admit this is who I was, but it doesn't have to define who I am now, or my past doesn't dictate my future, right? We and so let that let that be kind of a. A trophy of God's grace that He gave you victory over this, and we go forward by faith. And so, anyway, none, none of us, you know, you know, that's uh, at the judgment seat of Christ. It, it likens some people are, are going to be naked, and you know, nakedness is related to shame. That, that's why we clothe ourselves. We we don't want to be naked before the Lord, and so we. We want to be clothed with His righteousness. And so, uh, anyway, this next section I just kind of labeled a doctrinal insights from one of these towns. Uh, we w- This is a big section here. Uh, somebody read verses 24 and 25. Uh, Suzanne, we're up to you if, if you want to read 24 and 25 of chapter 48. The horn of Moab is cut off, and his arm is broken, saith the Lord. Maybe he is drunken, for he is magnified himself against the Lord. Moab also shall swallow in his vomit. He also also shall be in distress. Distration? Derision, yeah. Was that it? Okay. Let me see if I can find something here. Oh. Yeah. Did I read the right two? I think so. I thought I had my phone on uh, on Wi-Fi there. I want you to see this. If possible. Let's see if we can now. I don't know that. You have gas at the top. CHBF gas right there. Or do you have a password? Uh, let's see here. Yeah, but I don't. Oh yeah, their internet's down. I think the internet's down. I've got hotspot here, but there you go. Okay, looks like it's working. All right. Okay. Connect. Hit F5. Yeah. Now? Yeah. 
This is so cool, you got to see it. <coughs> see if it'll. Maybe. Maybe not. Tell me if that loads. I'm going to set it down here. And then I'll show it to you. But anyway, the cool thing that I was reading there. Oh, it didn't do it, did it? Yeah. Hot spotted. Uh, well, I do have my hot spot on, but it's not seeing it. See it? Kaylee and Brian said they're coming. They're they're on their way. Oh, cool. So they just texted me. Hey, he's had a busy weekend. Yeah. Huh. I don't think there's. So it didn't see your phone in the list of. No. See. It's not seeing it, is it? There it is. Steve's phone. Maybe. Maybe we'll get it. <coughs> Sorry, guys. Can't connect. The Wi Fi is turned off on your phone. I don't know. That needs to be off. Oh, it does need to be off? Yeah. Ah. Because then, then you'll just be using the churches again. Oh, wait a minute. Okay. That was smart. Okay. No. Technically challenged. <laughs> ah, it looks promising. There yeah. you go, did it? I might have refreshed the page. It's not showing. <sighs> well, anyway, I guess you may have to take my word for it. This, this is uh, the name of this town, Kirioth. My my teaching point here is that Judas Iscariot is from Kirioth, and that that's actually what his name means is the man of Kirioth. And so he's related to the Antichrist, and here here it talks about him uh, having a bad arm. Anyway, these are just some notes from uh, Peter Ruckman. That anyway, that's something I never knew that I thought I would share with you guys this morning. One one thing I seen was that there's actually maybe two different towns in the Bible named Kirioth. So it's a little unclear if it's the if Judas is carried is from the town here in Moab, or if he's from the other Kirioth. But that's what his name means. I think the Iscariot, Iscarioth was kind of the uh, Greek form of Kirioth from uh, from the Old Testament. So anyway, it's not quite as cool that you can't see it yourself. But anyway, so uh, in this verses twenty six through thirty, there's a word here that. It's in uh, 26 through 30. In verse 29, it says, We have heard 
the pride of Moab, he is exceeding proud, his loftiness and his arrogancy and his pride and the haughtiness of his heart. So these are some of the reasons that that uh, Moab was judged and it's something that uh, all of us have an issue with is our pride. So I, I highlighted that. I gave you a blank for the word pride today. Uh, there's a lamentation here in verses 31 through 39. And then the, in verses 40 through 46, there's some real strong language about the second coming of the Lord. And uh, it, it talks about an eagle, a woman in a travail or having birth pangs. It talks about the pit and the year of visitation. So I told you uh, several times throughout the book of Jeremiah when it talks about that day or the day of the Lord, uh, these references to the second coming. So there's some second coming references here. And it mentions... I think it mentions a stronghold here. In, does everybody see what verse that is? 31 through 39. They talk about a... I know verse 34 even talks about the heifer of three years old. That That is uh, that is a thing. And, uh, 41 says the stronghold. 41. Yes, thank you. And so... Uh, one of the things that the Lord showed me, if you'll all go to chapter 71 of Psalms, go to Psalm 71. There's some ways to overcome strongholds in our own lives here in Psalm 71. Job, Psalms, Proverbs, let's see. 71. And uh, let, let me read these for us. 71 in verse 3, 3 through 7. Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort. Thou hast given commandment to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man. For thou art my hope, O Lord God. Thou art my trust from my youth. By thee have I been holding up from the womb. Thou art he that took me out of my mother's bowels. My praise shall continually shall be continually of thee. I am as a a wonder unto many, but thou art my strong refuge. So I I just like that in verse 3, he makes God his strong habitation where he lives, and he's the strong refuge there in verse 7. So that's how we overcome strongholds in our own life, is we make God our, our strong refuge. A few verses down, 16, that's Connie Martin's favorite verse. Which one? Read it. Uh, I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of thy righteousness, even of thine only. Which verse is that? 16. Oh, that's Connie's verse, huh? Mm-hmm. I like that. Huh. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. Good. Good. So, those are some things about the uh, the strongholds. Uh, look with me in uh, back to Jeremiah forty-eight now, and I left you one more blank. And uh, hey, Tony. Would you give one of these to everybody for me? I think we'll have just a few to cover that. Uh, I got one for Angie here. All right, so this very last verse of Jeremiah 48, uh, verse 47, Angie, would you read it? 
when you get, well, I bring again the captivity of Moab in the latter days, saith the Lord, as far as the judgment of Let me read it again. Sure. <clears throat> Yet will I bring again the captivity of Moab in the latter days, saith the Lord, thus far is the judgment of Moab. So, to me that's a little bit of a wild statement. Uh, so this Moab is going to be destroyed, and I guess a few of them taken to Babylonian captivity. And God's going to bring again their captivity in the latter days. And... Uh, this little phrase latter days is in our Bible 12 times but uh, Daniel 2.28 I believe it's a reference to the tribulation period latter days you know even uh, thank you uh, Tony did you get one? Mm -hmm. okay so uh, anyway so my teaching point there was just Moab's future may depend on how they respond to the judgment they're under now. Because right at the end it says, thus far is the judgment of Moab. So it's like there's kind of more to come, isn't it? It kind of sounds like they wiped out most of them. They're no longer a nation. Some of them are in captivity. And thus far is the judgment of Moab. So anyway, I, I don't know if that's because they're kind of related to Israel through Lot was uh, Abraham's nephew but uh, let's just go through this handout that uh, Tony just gave us this is kind of my scouting report on the Moabites we got six minutes we'll just kind of read through this together Uh, some Jews actually fled to Moab to escape being taken into captivity that was earlier in Jeremiah and uh, the Moabites were a tribe that descended from Moab Uh, he was the son of Lot born of an incestuous relationship with his oldest daughter Uh, yeah and uh, what I was going to say about that to us that sounds really unbelievable but uh, one preacher gave, gave this illustration when God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, in their mind, I think it's possible that they thought, I mean, it's like a nuclear explosion. It's like we are the only, you know, you see like apocalyptic things to where like we're the only people left on the whole earth. That's probably what Lot and his two daughters thought it's up to us to repopulate the earth so it may have been more that than uh, you know just a lustful wicked thing to do it's like the repopulation of the earth it depends on us so it may have been something like like that than yeah it seems like it was more yeah yeah but I mean, they might not have been drunk, so they might have been thinking we got to repopulate the earth. So, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that okay. You guys are right. That that's a true story. So that that's how Moab came about. And your third bullet point there: the story of Genesis 14, the red of Cheder Leomar, the king of Elam. King records the conquest of most of Moab around this 2000 to 1900. Uh, the fourth bullet point Jews were not to take the land from Moab when they first came to the promised land, and that was recorded. Uh, God said not to capture them. The next one, the Numbers 21, this Sihon, king of the Amorites, crossed the Jordan River and drove the Moabites out of the region. But between the Arnon Valley and Jabok River and occupied it and they made Heshbon their capital. So that that's why the Amorites were in the north. I think I still got that one. I'll put that back up. Yeah that anyway, up in the north of Ammon there is where that Heshbon was at. Uh, the next bullet point during the Exodus the Israelites were not 
or did not pass through Moab, but through the wilderness to the east. The Moabites were alarmed, and their king Balak sought aid from the Midianites. This is was when Balaam came to curse them for Balak. You remember Balaam's the one that talked to uh, his his donkey, his ass spoke to him. And so uh, that story is recorded. And uh, then I put Nebo. It was in Moab from the top of Pisgah the, that Moses looked upon the promised land. It was here on that mountain Nebo that he died and God buried him. And then I, I went back to Balak, the king of the relatively weak Moabites, joined with the Midianites in hiring the prophet, uh, magician Balaam, to curse Israel so the Israelites could be defeated. But he did not outwardly curse Moabite, enticed the Israelites into a form of idolatry, uh, ritual, sexual immorality. This resulted in God's judgment, and that's in Numbers 25. And then one of Jim's favorite stories, Ehud the judge delivered Israel from Eglon. He was a Moabite in Judges 3. Jim, Jim does got a great message on that. And then the Moabites threatened Israel in the days of Israel's first kings and uh, first king. Saul was successful against them. And then David had some friendships with the Moabites. And then eventually conquered Moab in 2 Samuel 8. And then Jehoshaphat joined forces to attack Moab in 2 Kings. On another occasion, a coalition of Moabites, Ammonites, and Edomites invaded Judah, but they were destroyed by God. I think that's where they, Jehoshaphat put the singers out in front, I think is that story. And uh, God killed, they, they slew each other. They, the Israelites got there and they were all dead. And then the last one is perhaps the most significant Bible character to come from Moab was Ruth was of the women of Moab, but graciously linked to Israel through Lot, the nephew of Abraham. Ruth is an example. Uh, remember, she uh, married the descendants of Abraham uh, named Boaz. But Ruth is an example of how God could change a life and take it a direction he has planned. Although she came from a pagan background in Moab, once she met the God of Israel, Ruth became a living testimony to him. By Ruth the Moabitess is one of the four women mentioned in the genealogy of Christ. So she is, uh, she is actually in the genealogy that brought forth our Lord and Savior. And uh, her kinsman redeemer, uh, Boaz, married her and... And uh, the word grace is there. She's the only woman called a virtuous woman in the Bible or the only one that's named. And so, anyway, now you know a little more about Moab. And you can see I kind of cut and pasted those from different sources. So those are not all my words. So I wanted you to have that. But anyway, uh, ne- next week we're talking about uh, chapter 49, the, the Ammonites. But hopefully it was profitable. You know, one of the things I was just thinking... There is so much information available to all of us. It's like, man, it, it's so hard to keep up with current events and what's going on in the world and the crisis at the border and inflation and the stock market. And it's like, I really have to, pur- we have to be purpose and intentional to block out, you know, my life is going toward the Lord. I want to serve Him at this church. And, and that may, it almost seems sacrificial to, you know, give up things maybe you enjoy to do the things that are most important. But I, I know if I have that struggle, you, you, you probably do too. And we have to say no to good things to choose the best thing. Amen. And uh, I just thought, wow, this is a boring story of the Moabites, you know, thousands of years ago or whatever. But no, it's part of our Bible. God recorded it for us, and we need to know about it. Amen? And so, uh, 
ho hopefully there's something there you can take away to apply to your own life. But let, let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. And Suzanne, thank you for being here. And uh, Philip, you guys are always uh, welcome. And Tony, I know you're uh, in a rock and a hard place. And so lift up uh, Tony and Dory this week. So let, let's pray. And thank you for joining us. Uh, Father in heaven, we bow our heads and hearts. And uh, we are kind of encumbered like Martha many times about much serving and and yet Lord uh, Mary chose the part that's needful to to set at your feet to hear your words to maybe block out all the the serving and the just all the filler of this life just things that aren't eternal so help help us to focus today on things that are eternal your word your people Help us to be sensitive of the lost, the hurting. Um, it just sounds almost uh, so judgmental to say that people are going to die and go to hell without Christ. And and yet that's the truth, Lord. And so give us a, a burden. Help us to see things the way you see them. Uh, bless the service with Pastor Brian. And just uh, um, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.